Hi, this is Brian. And Brittany. And welcome back to another episode of Boats, Beaches, Bars, and Beyond. So what have you been up to lately, Britt? Well, I feel like since our last episode, we've been traveling pretty much uh, every other weekend. <laughs> I think so. Ever since about the middle of February, we've been on the road. And today is what, May 8th? May 8th, and we've been on the road <laughs> since the middle of February. I know. I feel like it's been forever since we did our 30A episode back in February, but really, we try to kind of do all of our traveling stuff in the winter months because in the summer, we like to go boating every weekend, so um, we kind of keep ourselves busy with doing a lot of weekend trips. A lot of weekend trips uh, just to get away from the cold weather here in Middle Tennessee during the wintertime. Uh, like Britt said, it's it's time to start getting back out on the boat, but we thought before we do that and before we start getting into those boat-centric episodes of boats, beaches, bars, and beyond, I mean, that's the main line in the title is boats, and <laughs> I don't starter. think other than cruising we've done an actual boat episode yet, but coming soon, folks, we promise, coming soon. Uh, but we thought we would, you know, get back into the swing of things with the episodes here and just catch up on some of the trips that we've taken over the last few months. And with that being said, uh, right after we got back from 30A, which was our last episode, I think literally the very next week, where did we go? We went to one of my favorite locations and that was over to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which... Um, I kind of consider Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg kind of all in one. <laughs> all in one, it's the Great Smoky Mountains. That's right, yep. So Britt, why don't you start with telling everybody what is so great about the Great Smoky Mountains? Well, I think for us, growing up in Middle Tennessee, it was such a quick trip for our family. Um, you know, you could get there in about four hours from where we live in Middle Tennessee, and my family grew up camping. Uh, now, we're not talking about tent camping, so I'm not going to, you know, act like I'm, I'm some expert in adventurous camping or anything, but um, no. Hey, speak we, for yourself now. I know. I know you have. I have not. Um, we grew up uh, having campers and things like that, so, you know, my grandparents and my parents' friends, and um, we would just go up there for quick weekend trips because it was such a uh, close location for us, and we were busy growing up playing all kinds of sports and things like that for... Um, us it was a great quick trip where we could just unwind unplug and we'll talk about this a little later but it's a great family location so there's so much that you can do um, no matter what size family you have there's there's a lot of options uh, for entertainment so that to me it was just great memories that we were able to share as a family um, now what about you tell them uh, tell them about your uh, well experience. I, unlike Brittany um I moved to Nashville when I was a freshman in high school, but before that, the Great Smoky Mountains were my backyard. I literally grew up at the foot of the Smoky Mountains. Uh, you know, Britt talks about all the great views and the scenery up there, but um, literally I could walk out into my backyard. That's what I looked at every day when I would uh, sit in class in elementary school and look and daydream out the window, I was looking right at the Great Smoky Mountains. Now, the first time I saw this, he's not joking. The school that he grew up at, because 
I, you know, the first time I went to his hometown, again, great views of the Great Smoky Mountains. And I kept on saying, I can't believe you got to look at this every day, <laughs> you know, because it was such a special moment for us whenever we got close to the mountains and coming around that curve and seeing that. But you got to see it every day. I'm kind of jealous. It, every single day. And it was really cool. You know, I, I, I'm a little uh, older. So the, you know, the times when I grew up were a little different. You know, I, I was one of those kids that, you know, during the summer, uh, or really all year long, but especially during the summer, I would get up um, first thing in the morning, head outside, and literally did not come in uh, until the streetlights came on. Uh, sometimes I didn't know if the streetlights were on because I was out uh, roaming around in the woods somewhere, but, um, you know, really got to spend a lot of time outdoors, a lot of time tent camping. Uh, yeah, we We were not fortunate enough to have campers and RVs and things like that. If I wasn't uh, tent camping in the mountains, I put a tent uh, up in the front yard and I was uh, out there in the front yard every night when I had a chance and still had those great views of the mountains. So, you know, when uh, we, when Brittany and I take time to go back to the mountains, at least for me, it's going back home. And it, it's a really great experience because it brings back great memories of my childhood, you know, growing up and living there. Right. And like I said, we were so busy growing up playing sports and you know how families can be, you know, this kid's going one way, the other kid's going the other way. Um, so I'm reminded of those great, great memories too. So I guess. I know we've called the location the Great Smoky Mountains, but there are so many different towns and places in that area. So, Brian, why don't you kind of explain what that whole area kind of means when people hear Great Smoky Mountains? Well, you know, we're talking about the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, which is part of the Appalachian Mountains, which actually runs from Maine all the way down to Georgia, if you uh, ever take the chance to hike the Appalachian Trail, which is something that, uh, as a Boy Scout, we hiked part of the Appalachian Trail. I, I definitely didn't hike from Maine. Do all of it. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't hike from Maine uh, to Georgia, but um, we did do a lot of tent camping right. uh, when we were uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail, a lot of primitive tent camping. Uh, but no, when Brittany and I talk about the Great Smoky Mountains and the trips that we take, specifically we're talking about the area really around Sevier County, Tennessee, which is, you know, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anyone alive today. I mean, there, may, there probably is somebody alive today, but I don't think there are many people that uh, travel to that part of the country that at least don't know who Dolly Parton is. Dolly! Uh, Dolly, Part- Dolly. Uh, Dolly Parton was born in Pittman Center, Tennessee, which is in Sevier County, right outside of Sevierville and Pigeon Forge. Uh, I'm sure if you know who Dolly Parton is, you know what Dollywood is. Uh, Dollywood's a, a huge attraction over there in that side of the state in uh, Pigeon Forge. But, you know, typically you're talking about Gatlinburg, Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge in that area. Yeah, so, you know, you might hear advertisements advertisements for uh, different cities, but, 
you know, really when we say Great Smoky Mountains, uh, a lot of people just refer to Gatlinburg, although you might stay in Sevierville or somebody might say they're in Pigeon Forge and they're really more close to Gatlinburg. So um, there are a lot of different uh, locations in that area um, to check out. And I don't think that you can go wrong with any, any of them. Uh, you can't go wrong. I mean, the I, I grew up in a small town, Newport, Tennessee, which is in Cott County, which is a uh, one county over. And like I said earlier, growing up there in Newport, you know, a lot of the things that people do now to vacation in that area were things that I really took for granted as a kid. You know, I already mentioned I did a lot of hiking on the Appalachian Trail when I was in the Boy Scouts and the camping, uh, a lot of fishing in the creeks and streams up there in the mountains and horseback riding. Um, I... uh, some of my earliest memories are having a horse named Sally. 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 <laughs> and uh, one of the earliest memories I have is riding to school in kindergarten. Um, I, I, we, we've mentioned before that I like karaoke on, okay, on the podcast. On. You rode Sally to school? No, I didn't <laughs> ride Sally to school. I wrote a lot of things to school. I went to school in a road grader. I went to school in an excavator. I went to school in a garbage truck. Um, th- those are stories for, for other days. Day. <laughs> but, but I remember riding to school uh, again a uh, long time ago, a completely different day and age. Uh, I don't even know that car seats existed Um the the seat belts that uh, buckle over your shoulder definitely did not exist in cars back then. But uh, rode to school in the floorboard of my mom's Camaro while she was playing Eric Clapton on an eight track in the Camaro, um, and the song "Lay Down Sally" would come on. And back to uh, we've mentioned before that I like karaoke. Absolutely. Um, I just knew when I was in in kindergarten that Eric Clapton was singing about my horse, Sally. <laughs> uh, and then I grew up and started singing that song on my own and thought, wow, that was really messed up. It wasn't about your horse? It, it definitely was not <laughs> about my horse. I just thought Eric Clapton wanted my horse to lay down and go to sleep. <laughs> oh, there's but, a uh, lot to decipher uh, from uh, all of that. Uh, well, When you talk about um, transportation forms, uh, maybe, I mean... Yeah, that there's there's just a lot. We're gonna have to digest that one a little bit. But I do have a question already. Okay. Is it Appalachian or Appalachian? It's Appalachian. It's Appalachian to me. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're not from there. It's Appalachian. Okay, so maybe the natives know it right. Uh, so. Have you ever heard of the Appalachia Mountains? Appalachia, App- Appalachian. Okay, we're gonna have to work on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Appalachian. Well, the things that Brian got to do on a daily basis, it sounds like, um, are some of the things that visitors going to the Great Smoky Mountains can enjoy. So we're just going to talk a little bit about the park and some of the amenities that it has to offer. Um, As we mentioned, the National Park Service says it is America's most visited national park. And I I, I can believe that. (laughs) Uh, Just from growing up there, how many people that you do see um, in the park. But some of the activities that you'll be able to find, um, as Brian mentioned, some hiking, camping, fishing, um, there's horseback riding. I know one of my favorite memories was um, biking in Cade's Cove. Um, You know, if you're very active, there's plenty of things for you to do. So hiking, 
I would say you can find anything from a nice little nature path into, you know, some of your more high-end, you know, camping overnight type thing. So if you do have some kids, don't worry. If you want to get out there and find some... high-end, like camping in those RVs and campers? You know, that's roughing it easy is what we used to call camping. But no, I know we have a friend that does uh, Mount LeConte. And I think that they have to get like their supplies like shipped up there early, and um, it's kind of a, a whole process to get there. Nothing that I plan to do anytime soon, uh, but don't worry if you do want to try to find some hiking or act- outdoor activities. There's plenty of things for uh, people of all ages to do. Um, there's even Kate's Cove, as I mentioned. You don't have to hike at all, <laughs> and that's one of the things that we did on this last trip. Kate's Cove is uh, it, it, if, if you've never been to Cades Cove, it's hard to describe. I mean, you you get away from everything, all civilization, you get up there in the mountains, and I want to say, if memory serves me correctly, it's an 11-mile loop. If you drive through Cades Cove, it's an 11-mile loop to drive through there, but it's, it's basically one of the earliest settlements in that part of Appalachia. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> uh, definitely one of the earliest settlements up there. Um, the the One of the stores, when we drove through there um, on this last trip, we looked it up, and it's named after an Indian chief's wife, Kate. Right. And when the English settlers came into the area, they, just with the dialect and everything, Kate became became Cades, and one thing led to another. But there's still, in that area up there, as you drive through uh, some of the primitive churches and some of the primitive settlements, there's an old grain mill in there. Uh, there's a primitive campground. Rough uh, easy. For... for <laughs> Tent camping, and then I think there's an actual campground where you you have RV hookups, you know, for those fancy people like Britt. Bougie. (laughs) Uh, But uh, they have uh, horse stables up there, and and you can uh, go horseback riding through Cades Cove. But tell them, like, Cades Cove, though, it's a motor trail. You drive around it. Well, yeah, no, that's what I said. Mm -hmm. An 11-mile loop that you drive through Cades Cove. Um, So... You know, you, you can still take in nature, still take in the scenery. If you're not someone that wants to get out and really exert yourself, if you just want to sit on your butt and, you know, drive through uh, the area and take a look at things, you, you can definitely do that, you know, driving up into the mountains and driving through Cades Cove. Well, that's what we used um, to do growing up. Um, you know, my dad had a truck and um, we would have a bunch of people and, we would pack a picnic lunch and sit in the back of the truck and just take a leisurely stroll through Cades Cove. As Brian said, you don't have to get out and do any hiking. You can just take in the scenery, and there's uh, plenty of places that you can stop and uh, have a picnic by the side uh, of the road. I started to say, I mean, you can do both. You, there are places that you can pull over. There are hiking trails through Cades Cove. Um, again, you, you are in the middle of the mountains. You are in a national park. Uh, there is wildlife. Um, you know, I, I thought it was funny, you know, especially growing up in that area and even growing up or living here in middle Tennessee now, uh, as you drive through Cades Cove, especially in the spring and during the summer months, um, it's not that uncommon to see, 
you know, bears going through the field or going across the road. You may see a, a mother bear and her cubs or, you know, there's plenty of deer. I, I mentioned before there's, there's yeah. horses, but no, what exactly turkeys. <laughs> I thought it was funny when we were driving through this last time, traffic just got backed up as you know, we, we'd gone through about half of the loop and all of a sudden traffic came to a standstill and, and we could see people in their cars in front of us you know, they had their cameras out and everybody was leaning out the window. And, and I was like, well, you know, it's late February. It's kind of early for the bears to be out, but you know, it is a warm day. I think it was in the mid sixties that day. So I was like, okay, may, maybe it's not that uncommon. The closer we got, I was like, well, I don't see any bears. What's going on? We finally make it up around the curve and there's one single solitary <laughs> turkey Standing over on the side of the road. Which we can see every day. Uh, every day. <laughs> Here. But I thought it was so funny because, you know, you do get a lot of people in from other areas. And that's wildlife to them. Oh, the turkey in the wild. Because the only turkey they normally see, I guess, is on the dinner table or in the, you know, deli section at Kroger. But uh, it, it was so funny just to see how far back traffic was backed up so people could take pictures of a wild turkey well that is funny but you do bring up a great point um it is single file line through there um so if you you know if it's a busy day and you plan on being somewhere just know that traffic can get backed up for turkeys well <laughs> you you need to set aside definitely a few hours i mean it's going to take you 45 minutes to an hour just to get up there from Gatlinburg. Good point. And, you know, you need to have, even though it's only 11 miles, you're creeping through there if there's a lot of traffic, and especially in the summer months, there can be a lot of traffic. So it's going to take you a good two, three, sometimes even four hours to get through there, but that's part of the appeal. You're getting away from everything. You're getting back to nature. Even if you are just sitting in your car, you know, if it's a nice day, roll the windows down, uh, stop at a few of the different um, locations that you, you can stop and get out at, like I said, those primitive settlements, or you can get out and hike, you know, into the woods at your own risk. You know, they do have wild turkey. <laughs> uh, but uh, de definitely set aside some time. Definitely make sure before you venture up there, you've got a full tank of gas. Uh, there are definitely no gas stations in the middle of Cades Cove. Um, and make sure you've got some snacks or you, you've packed a picnic lunch for the day and, and just take the time and, you know, unplug. You're definitely going to be unplugged. There's, there is zero cell service when you get up there. So, uh, you're definitely going to be disconnected and off the grid for a while. Right. Really not until you get, um, much closer to Gatlinburg are you going to be, uh, reconnected. So just be aware of that. And, um, you mentioned picnicking, and I know I did too earlier. One of my favorite places and memories growing up and still is uh, the Chimney Tops picnic area. Uh, Chimney Tops is a great hiking um, trail. Uh, you know, it can get pretty steep up there as well, but that was just one place that my family always shared great memories. And we would just either pack a picnic lunch or even just pick up some KFC or Subway or something like that because there's a great river that runs right through that picnic area. So we would just... Uh, hop rocks and you know get in the water if it was hot so that's one of my favorite um areas and i know that you also have um, a favorite area as well if you want to talk about that well i do but before we get to that um but one thing to keep in mind this stuff is seasonal i think 
at least in that area, Chimney Tops is one of the highest elevations. Uh, there's a lot of road closures during the winter. They mentioned um, a road closure um, today. When there, I was there are a the lot National of road Service. closures during the winter, especially because of snow and ice. And same thing uh, with Cades Cove. I mean, it, it's weather dependent. And even the area that we went through in February in Cades Cove, there had been some road closures the week before, not because of snow and ice, but, but it was an unusually rainy winter uh, in this area this year or this past winter. And there was flooding in Cades Cove. And I know it was, it was closed a few days because of the flooding. And while we were there, it was the week after all of the rains had came through. And there was a park ranger going through and checking some of the different sites. And there were a few spots where water was still uh, running over the roadway. But I mean, you know, it might have been an inch of water. It was nothing significant. Well, I just pulled up um, on the National Park Service and it linked over to Smokey's Road Info Twitter account. And just as of April 22nd, like Clingman's Dome, I think it's the tallest point in the... That's um, right. Clingman's right. Dome is the tallest yeah. point. Yeah. And it um, was closed for snow and ice. Sometimes they even uh, close it down for heavy fog. And what um, was the date of that, that it was that closed? That was April 22nd. Yeah. So ju- just, just, a, a just a couple of weeks ago, right. the road at Clingman's Dome was closed for snow and ice. So definitely something to be cognizant of. Um you know, it may be 70 degrees down in Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, uh, but once you start heading up into the mountains there, weather's definitely going to be a lot cooler, and there's a potential that you're going to have snow and ice, so it's something to, you know, be aware of and, and plan ahead, double-check the park services uh, website or Twitter, or Instagram, whatever, <laughs> get on social media and uh, the internet and figure out what's going on before you get up there. Cause you know, the last thing you want to do is set out for a day of adventure and get up to a big road closed sign and have to turn around and head back to town and figure out something else to do for the day. All right. And as Britt said, I do have a couple of favorite spots of my own in the great smoky mountains Even growing up in that area, there were a few places that we would travel to get away. It only took us 30 or 45 minutes to get there versus the four hours plus that it would take Britt and her family. Uh, One of my favorite spots uh, growing up in that area and to this day is a place called Greenbrier. And it's uh, actually right outside of Pittman Center uh, in the Sevier County area. But uh, Greenbrier is not open today for any type of camping or anything like that. Basically, the only thing you can do in Greenbrier is go in and picnic for the day or do some, uh, you know, whitewater river tubing uh, and kayaking and that sort of thing or fishing. Uh, And then there's a lot of hiking and probably my favorite hiking trail outside of the Appalachian Trail itself Uh, is there in Greenbrier. Uh, You have to head up all the way to the very end of Greenbrier, and if it's something that you want to do, look it up online, Greenbrier, G-R-E-E-N-B-R-I-E-R. But um, it's in the Great Smoky Mountains. The trail that is my favorite is the trail to Ramsey's Cascade. Uh, Ramsey's Cascade is about four miles from the trailhead up to the top where Ramsey's Cascade or the waterfall is. 
Uh, it's really an all-day trip. Four miles doesn't sound like a lot, but it's four miles straight up the mountain. Uh, the last couple miles are over pretty rugged terrain, and the payoff when you get to the top is, you know, pretty great. Uh, Ramsey's Cascade is actually the highest elevation waterfall in the entire Great Smoky Mountains. So oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, when you get up there, um, it's a great spot to, you know, pack your lunch. You're going to need your energy by the time you get back up there because once you get to the top, it's another four miles <laughs> to get back down the mountain. Um, I, you know, if you take it at a normal pace, it's about a six to an eight hour hike, but, uh, definitely worth it in my opinion. Um, and then my next favorite spot in the Great Smoky Mountains is a place called Elkmont. Uh, Elkmont is a place that I would go camping with my family, with my grandfather, especially, uh, when I was a kid, um, a lot of primitive tent camping for us but they do have RV hookups. I think now when Brittany and I went up there uh, in February, uh, I noticed that there were campsites set up with uh, RVs, um, you know, so you do have that availability. Uh, one of the really cool pieces of trivia about Elkmont is originally that area of the Great Smoky Mountains was part of a logging camp. And after, you know, logging came into the area, the railroad came into the area, and they really tried to make Elkmont um, a, res a resort for the high society of Knoxville. It was a happening place it, back then. <laughs> it really was a happening place. If you read up on the history of Elkmont um, in the early 1900s, early to mid-1900s, uh, that was where the high society went. You know, the governor would go up there to get away for a retreat and that sort of thing. Uh, there was a hotel that opened, I think, in 1912, uh, the Wonderland Hotel uh, and the Wonderland Club. Uh, that really was there, I think, until the, it was open until the mid-90s, and then um, the building collapsed, I think, in like uh, the mid-2000s, like 2005, something like that, and then uh, there was a fire back in 2016 uh, that took out the rest of the hotel, but there, there's a sign down on the roadway that tells all the history of the hotel, and um if you're adventurous like we were, you can uh, climb up on top of the hill where the hotel used to be. There's a little trail. Or if you walk down from where the sign was, the stone staircase is still there. We, <laughs> about a, a quarter of a mile away from where the sign was, we could have just climbed the stairs. But yeah, we took the hard way. Uh, no, we didn't take the hard way. We took the adventurous oh, there way. Go. There is no Saw hard way. Point. Uh, but it's really cool. You get up there and it, it, you get to the top of the hill and it's a, it's kind of creepy looking. It's, it's creepy like in a pretty way because I think that after you read up on the history, you can just kind of feel how, you know, just back in the day what it was. Yeah. You know? It was but, such a cool happening. You know, people had dances and there was music playing and it's just, I don't know. I just think it was really neat. It, it's really neat. But when you go up there now, the only thing that's left, there's a couple of spots, I think, because there were some cottages up there on top of the hill. And the only thing that's left is the foundation to the stairs uh, going up to those cottages. And then 
uh, there's a huge fireplace and chimney, which was in the center of the lobby of the hotel, that didn't collapse, that didn't burn down, but when you go up there, you're in the middle of a clearing in the woods, where clearly, like I said, there was a fire back in 2016 that took out the remaining structures, and in the middle of this burned out clearing is this big fireplace that looks like... Something out of a horror movie? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be up there at night. Right. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I, I would definitely be looking over my shoulder. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's pretty cool to know that, you know, when I was going up there as a kid, that was a happening place. There were people still going up there and staying at that hotel and, uh, you know, coming up from uh, all over the country to, you know, while we were over in our tent, they were living it up up there on top of the hill <laughs> in, in the Wonderland Club. And then when you get on the backside of Elkmont Campground, it's kind of funny. A couple of years ago, there was an article making it, making its rounds on social media where um, ghost town. And, uh, some guy wrote this article about how he was out in the middle of the wilderness and came across this ghost town in the mountains and blah blah blah. It, it's not out in the middle of nowhere. It, it You literally can drive right up to the edge of it. It's on the backside of the campground. You can see the campground from it, but it was part of the Elkmont uh, community back then, uh, a little area that is now owned by the National Park Service, and they're working on restoring it, but it's a place called Daisy Town. And it's so cute. It is. It's, you know, the, the idea when they built Daisy Town back in the day, uh, there was a boardwalk and it was supposed to compete with like Atlantic City and places like that. But you had all these, you know, individual little cottages. And then there was the Appalachian Club. Appalachian Club. The Appalachian Club, where the who's who of society in Appalachia came to party and they had these big balls and you know there's there's pictures on the wall outside because the club is still there and the park service is renovating both the Appalachian Club and uh, several of the buildings in Daisy Town and you know Britt and I walked through some of the buildings right. that have been newly renovated and uh, when I say renovated you know they replaced the boards on the floor and that sort of thing but it, it is still the old school primitive buildings to the same feel that they were back in the day when uh, they were built. But anyway, there's some pictures on the side of the uh, building on the Appalachian Club where you can see, you know, these parties where all the women were decked out in their white dresses, their Sunday best white dresses and their big fancy hats. And, you know, the guys are in their suits and stuff like that. And then that there was like one random guy in overalls. <laughs> Probably like my great, 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 great grandfather or something hanging out up there. You know, everybody else is all dressed up. But then you got this old uh, redneck in overalls standing there in the middle of the crowd. It's just neat. I mean, like you said, the pictures were literally showing the streets lined with couples, you know, arm in arm, walking down the sidewalk. And this was a retreat for them. It was back in the mountains where it was a lot cooler during the summer months and things like that. And um, it was a it was a bustling town, so being able to like walk up and down those streets and uh, go in and out of the cottages is really neat. I'm I'm really glad that the National Park Service took it over because um, they were actually able to get it on the National Register of Historic Places. It was planned to be 
torn down, but uh, they've stepped in and now they're restoring that whole community. So I think it's funny too, though, as a child, you said that you used to ride your bike all up and down that area, but apparently your grandparents probably told you where to cut off because they knew probably once you got up there, you'd act all crazy. Well, so like I said, we would go camping every summer. Uh, My my grandparents on my mom's side, um, that that was my grandfather's favorite place. Uh, So much so because because he, you know, grew up in that area and in the Cosby, Tennessee area, which is pretty close to there. And that when they went on vacation, that's what they did. They, They went camping in the mountains. And you know, I, I'll never forget, they've both passed, but I'll never forget the story that, you know, that's where they went on their honeymoon. Uh, they, they went camping in Elkmont. So every year, you know, they would go up there camping. Usually my grandfather, my, my grandmother, by the time I was able to go camping with my grandfather, uh, she wasn't having any of the tent camping. Pro- probably if he, if he had had a camper and RV, they, they would have been there, or she would have been there right there with you we and your family. Great. <laughs> uh, I, I think she, you know, by the time I was able to go camping with him up there, she was going and staying in a chalet in Gatlinburg and coming over to see us during the day and then heading back up at night. But, um, you know, I would. We, I would be there as a kid. I would always take my bicycle and I would, again, like I said before, I'd be in the creeks fishing and swimming and running through the woods and, you know, doing what kids do. But uh, the whole time that I was up there as a kid camping, I never knew that place was on the backside of the campground. And it probably was. They probably told me some crazy story about that's where the bears were or something like that. <laughs> probably good but idea. <clears throat> they knew better than to let the little redneck kid go back there with all the fancy people in their white gowns. Uh, so I wasn't allowed back there. But, you know, growing up and finding out that it's there and it's still there and the Park Service is restoring it, and then again, reading that article when it was making its rounds on the internet a few years ago, so hilarious to me that this guy is talking about, oh, look what I found. I discovered this lost town. No, it's right there. It's always been there, and it's now being restored by the Park Service. Yeah, it's a really neat piece of history. I know we talked about Case Cove. You can uh, go through some of the establishments of the early settlements, but uh, to kind of see that more recent history and how uh, people, you know, used it as a vacation spot years ago, just as we're doing now. It's really neat. So if you get a chance to to run up there, um, take a few minutes, drive around and, uh, and check it out. It's a cool place. All right, so let's come down out of the mountains and get back into town and talk about one of my favorite topics, as you guys know, which is food. Um, I'm not going to sit here and bore you to death and explain every single place that there is to eat because, again, between Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, and Gatlinburg, you're going to have plenty of choices. Um, There's going to be something for everybody, so don't worry about finding something that's going to feed the family. But just wanted to quickly mention some of our favorite places. Uh, The first one is Smoky Mountain Brewery. This is one that me and my family have been going to for years. Don't worry, even though it has brewery in the name, it is very family friendly. And uh, food there is going to be like pizza, kind of all American stuff. There's going to be burgers, sandwiches. Uh, The wings are one of my favorite things to eat. We love the wings and we love the pizza. 
There's one in Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, and there's actually one in Knoxville. So if you're driving through in that direction, check that out. It's a very, very uh, cool establishment that I think that we kind of make on our trip, on our bucket list. And yes, we did stop there this last trip. So clearly it's one of our favorites. The other one, too, that is also in Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg as well is No Way Jose Catina Mexican food. I like it because in Gatlinburg, you're positioned right there on the water. So if you get a good patio seat, that's a cool location if you got some good weather. And I think that you get a lot of food and it's a good bang for your buck. Of course, we love Mexican food. I think we eat it weekly at least, if not more. But that's another restaurant that we like to frequent often. And like I said, there is a location in Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. So check that out. And then two other favorites that are owned by the same people. It's the Old Mill, which is in Pigeon Forge. That's also going to be right on the river. And uh, it's a family-style eatery. They have breakfast, lunch, and supper. Great food. Uh, it's family-style. So if you got a big group, um, you know, it does get busy in there. So you might need to have some reservations if you're there on a particularly busy weekend. But in that area, there's some great shopping, a lot of pottery places, uh, in good little shopping areas over there by Patriots Park in Pigeon Forge. And across the street, Old Mill actually has another little cafe. It's called Pottery House Cafe and Grill. That's another one of my family favorites that we always go to. It's got some anywhere between you know, soups and salads, which is some of my favorite to um steaks and sandwiches and stuff there uh some home cooking it's really good and it's got a cute little patio out in the back even when it's cooler I was there with um on a girl's trip with my mom my sister and my grandmother and they have fires going and heaters um even outside and there's a lot of little tables there's a little creek back there it's a very very cute chic area um reasonably priced so um, you know, check that out in, if you're in that area as well. And it's really good as well because they have um, bread and pies for sale right there at the counter when you first walk in. They've got some amazing uh, just fresh bread that you're going to love. But anyways, like I said, I didn't want to sit here and waste a lot of time telling you about everything that there is to eat in um, that area. But those are definitely some of our favorites that we suggest you check out. So I guess next, let's talk about entertainment. There's plenty to do. <laughs> plenty to do, but I want to piggyback on your discussion about food as we move into entertainment because there is something. There's a lot of little dinner theaters. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of those there, There's there. a ton of dinner theaters, uh, but one of my favorites that's definitely very entertaining uh, is Dolly Parton Stampede. Oh my gosh, I haven't done that in so long. Dolly Parton Stampede is about as Appalachian as you're going to get when it comes to a dinner theater. Well, I haven't been there in a while, but it's very, very fun for the family. And I actually uh, chase chickens. Well, let's back up <laughs> and explain what Dolly Parton Stampede is. So when you go to Dolly Parton Stampede, you choose a side. You're either the North or you're the South. And the it's kind of like uh, mid medieval times. If you've ever been to one of the mid medieval times dinner theaters down in Florida or different places where they have them, <clears throat> where you have an arena with horses and knights and that sort of thing. It's the exact same thing with Southern uh, Flair. Southern Flair. 
You've got the North versus the South. You choose a side when you get there, or a side gets chosen for you based on where you're sitting, basically. Um, but basically, there are games going back and forth in the arena. Uh, you've got people on horseback. You've got you know people racing fake horses. You've got... <laughs> Kids chasing chickens. Chasing chickens. Uh, I one. I think there's pig races. Uh, again, uh, it's about as Appalachian as you're going to get. Leave it to Dolly Parton to put some sort of southern extravaganza on uh, while you're getting fed. Uh, Speaking of fed, I don't know if they still do it, but when we went there, you didn't get silverware. Do you remember you that? You don't get silverware. Uh, just again, very much like medieval times, you don't get silverware. Everything that you're given is you eat it by hand. You, you get soups, you get different. Um, I mean, it's a full meal. It, it's, it's not just snacks, but there is no silverware. Again, it's about as Appalachian as you're going to get. Uh, but it's it's great fun for the entire family, and you know it, it, I think it's like a two hour show or something like that. And I, I mean it's they, they do a couple of shows a night, uh, a couple of different different dinner seatings. But if you get the opportunity and you're looking for something fun to do with the family, because it, it's definitely great for kids. I remember going there all the time when I was a kid, and even as an adult, it's something that that I love. But um, definitely something to do to pass the time and to fill your belly. And to chase a chicken. And to... to did I tell you I won? Chase a chicken. To repeat again, it, I did win. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> but no, that is a very, very cool theater show. And they do have a lot of those there. There's some that ranges from musical acts that come in to... There's like Elvis theaters and all kinds well, of stuff Well, there's some there. comedy shows too. I heard the comedy show's really good. There's <laughs> one that... Um, all the dogs that are in their show are adopted rescues. Um, I don't know. There's a ton of them out there. If that's uh, your cup of tea, by all means, you're not going to be bored in choosing those. Yeah. So, but anyway, getting back to entertainment, uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Um, I think per capita, there have to be more go-karts in Pigeon Forge, <laughs> favorite thing. Tennessee, of course that up. than uh, any other city in America. There's a there's a there's a go-kart track <laughs> on every corner. Uh, it start and again, I grew up in that area, so this is something you know. I, okay, y'all, let's uh, just put it. No, let me explain. The very first time we went to Pigeon Forge together, it was a must that we had to do. Goat cards, and I believe we were still dating at this time. That was a rite of passage for you. Okay, <laughs> well, you beat me. Okay, well, it was a rite, but I, I needed I needed to see how you handled yourself on the track. <laughs> Y'all, his competitiveness went from zero to sixty in four seconds. I tell you, it was insane. This he turned into a madman. You're supposed to let a lady win, and not in a go kart. Apparently not. Rubbin's racing, babe. Rubbin's <laughs> racing. So the go-kart tracks, again, I grew up there. That was something that we would do on the weekends, go up to Pigeon Forge and ride go-karts. Um, they started out little oval tracks, and then they had figure eights, and then they went round and round uh, around each other. And then it went from, let's not see who has the longest track. Let's see who has the tallest track. Those are cool. And they started going up and up and up there's some and, that go indoor and outdoor uh, there's now. some that go indoor outdoor yeah. anyway if racing's your thing go to pigeon forge and ride a go-kart yeah i 
I, I for one, never want to leave Pigeon Forge without having my butt in a go-kart. That's uh, true. Let's just say that. But but again, growing up as a kid, I had my own right. go-karts. You know, right. I, I was running around the streets of Newport fixing my go-kart when it was purposely disabled while my dad was at work and getting it fixed by the neighbor during the day and taking it out when I wasn't supposed to. But that was just something I did as a kid. So it's something I enjoy doing now. When I'm uh, yeah, forward. there's a lot to process from this episode. We need to talk <laughs> to your dad about later. But speaking of things I enjoyed as a kid, and also if you're still seeking some thrills, as we mentioned, Miss Dolly Parton made Dollywood. And Dollywood is awesome. We haven't been there in a few years, unfortunately. We need to get back because she was even opening a whole mm. new attraction this week. I think it was like... 11 more rides, more restaurants. But um, just to wrap that up shortly, it's a awesome amusement park. You're going to have anything from rides for small kids to some very, very enthusiastic. It's the Appalachian Disney World. It's Come on. insane. And she keeps on building onto it every single year. Like I said, they're just opening up a, a whole new exhibit this weekend. So you're going to have a little bit for everything. Not only are you going to have rides and crazy roller coasters and all that kind of stuff, but... Uh, you're going to have shows. There's all kinds of food in there. There's uh, something for every There's age. arts and crafts, and there's music Shopping, and bluegrass. Right. You can do as little or as much as you want to, I guess, like a cruise. Yeah, it, it's, uh, again, it's Appalachian Disney World. You have people walking around dressed in characters, Southern Bells walking around. There, There's an old steam engine train that runs through the park and goes up into the mountains where... You know, somebody jumps on the train in period costume and tries to rob the train and gets out and they have a gunfight in the middle of the woods. And I don't know. It's great fun. Again, growing up there when I was a kid, um, it was actually called Silver Dollar City. And uh, Dolly Parton came in sometime during the 80s and bought Silver Dollar City, which really had a few rides, nothing, you know, to speak of much. But uh, she really took that place and made it her own. And, and it's a great story. Again, she grew up um, in that area, not very far from where Dollywood is. There's like a replica of her childhood home. There, there is the a replica. Let, let's make that very mm -hmm. clear. It is a replica of her childhood home. It, we th There's another podcast that we love, uh, and they visited Pigeon Forge and talked about Dollywood, and somebody uh, was saying on the show about how Dollywood's home's in the middle, or Dolly Parton's home is in the middle of Dollywood. No, Dolly did not build the park around her house. Uh, the, the park was there, and her house was elsewhere, but there is a replica of her home in the park. But, um, no, it's great what she's done for that community. Um, basically, she took a, a small town without a lot of industry, uh, without a, a lot of resources. I mean, it, again, let's face it, folks. Uh, th this is where I grew up. It, it's Appalachia. Uh, there are still to this day a lot of impoverished people, and she took, that community and created jobs for not just her family, not just her friends, but an entire community. Yep. And things that she put in place for that community. What, what is it? The Imagination the, Library. Uh, the Imagination Library that I think is has expanded nationwide. Well, I know it's at least statewide, if not nationwide, but um, statewide, I think until age five, if you sign up, 
your kid can get a free book every month, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, because she's really promoted literacy um, and just so much community outreach. And as Brian mentioned, she employed her, her family, her friends, and she continues to expand that every season. So not only has she expanded the park, she built a hotel a few years ago, and she also built that water park, Splash Country. Yeah. Yeah, so um, she she's done a lot. We're f- great f- fans of Dolly, not only because of her music, but especially growing up in that community. She's really promoted a lot of things uh, for that community. But Well, it- she's definitely working more than nine to five. <laughs> He's got jokes, folks. (laughs) But no, it's a cool um, place to check out. I think they still do some deals um, where you can get tickets for both places. So you can get, you know, one or the other, or you can get a combination package. And then also it used to be that I think if you purchased your ticket after a certain time, I think it used to be like four or five, you can actually get readmission the next day for free. Don't quote me on that. Check out the website. Um, but a very, very, um, cool, entertaining area up there. So the other place that's neat that they built recently is the island. Um, and Pigeon Forge, the island, it's, the island is more shopping centric, I think. I mean, uh, well, Jimmy Buffett moved into the island, go figure. Not the, (laughs) not the islands, uh, the island. There is a Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville at the island. There's a huge Ferris wheel, um, yeah, you'll definitely see Old it Smoky when you're Moonshine in. <laughs> is in the island. Um, well, my parents like to go down there and they have some live music at night and, um, you know, banjo. Oh, oh, oh they have those uh, fountains. The fountains. Kind of not like Bellagio. Bellagio fountains. Jr. <laughs> Bellagio Mini, Mini, Mini Jr. Uh, yeah. But they have the fountains in the island and they, they play music. And then there's live music. Um, again, a lot of. A lot of country music and stuff like that. I mean, again, mm-hmm. we're, we're in the Smoky Mountains. So. All right. Um, Margaritaville is there, as he said. That's one of our favorites. We're big Jimmy Buffett fans. But seems like they continue. I think Paula Deen uh, restaurant's down there. That's another one. Family-style restaurant as well. Um, so if you're looking for something to do, you'll definitely see the island because you'll see the big Ferris wheel up in the sky. You uh, won't miss it. And uh, then how far do you think Cherokee is from, say, like Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg? How about how far of a drive? Uh, from the from the backside of Gatlinburg, I would say 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. All right. Cherokee. Well, there is a casino that's located uh, right down the road. It's Cherokee, North Carolina. Uh, if that's your entertainment, if that's in your wheelhouse, then it's a short uh, drive down the street if uh, you want to check that out again i would check out the national park service to make sure there aren't any road closures because you are going to have to navigate through the mountains uh, depending on what time of the year it is and then one more quick thing that's a good family activity is the double a baseball team that they have outside of Sevierville, the tennessee smokies um Check out the uh, website for that. Um, Of course, we love going to baseball. We have the Nashville Sounds here, and uh, that's a very family-friendly activity you can do. I looked on their website. It looks like you can find tickets anywhere from about $7 to about $21, and they also offer some promotions and stuff, too. So if you're a sports fan, that might be something else you can do when you're up in the Smokies. One of the last things we want to cover is about where to stay. We mentioned previously how Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, and Gatlinburg 
are kind of all one big area. They, they run into each other, so you're going to have plenty of accommodations to choose from. Plenty if, of places to pitch a tent. Or a camper. <laughs> if tent and camper camping is your thing, there's a lot of locations to do that. Um, there's some that are right in the city of Pigeon Forge, and then you get some... As Brian mentioned, all the way up in Elkmont and other places up throughout the Smoky Mountains. So if that's your thing, you're going to have some options to do that as well. Well, let me pause you right there. Make sure if you are going to go camping, especially tent camping, yes, the the Smokies are big. They're great. Um, Don't think you can just put a tent anywhere you want to. Camping is not allowed in most places, and for good reason. Uh, Again, you're out in the wilderness. Uh, There are designated campsites. Uh, Some of them are permit only. Uh, Some of them are in campgrounds. Make sure if you are camping, you don't just throw a tent out in the middle of the woods or on the side of the road. Well, Park park rangers (laughs) will find you pretty quickly if you do that. That's true, and I think the same can go for camper camping. Uh, You might not be able to fit your camper in all kinds of roads or certain areas, so that could be something that you might want to research if you've never been in that area before. So, And don't pull up in Walmart parking lot like Cousin Hetty and think you're (laughs) going to stay there for the weekend either. And don't feed the bears, all that kind of stuff. So, um, All right, well, you are going to have a ton of hotels and condos to choose from. There's a lot of resort vacation. Um, What do you got? Resort properties, I guess is what I'm talking about. Some condos. And uh, plenty of hotels all throughout that area. Two I wanted to mention as far as hotels go that are unique to the Pigeon Forge area. The first one, if you are a Christmas fan and you're like me and you love all the Christmas Hallmark movies. And uh, nope. that's, oh, come on. You know you love them. They're nope. great. <laughs> but there is a hotel there that you could have Christmas year round if that is your thing. It's called the Inn at Christmas Place. Um, so if Christmas is your favorite holiday, that might be the place for you. The other place I wanted to mention as far as families go, that is a, another year-round place that's really neat. It's called Wilderness at the Smokies. And it's an indoor water park. And I looked it up because I haven't stayed there personally. We don't have children, so it wasn't anything that we um, have stayed at before. But there well, is We a- haven't stayed there, but one of the guys that I work with um, goes there about every year with his kids because of the water park. Oh, nice. Yeah, the, yeah, the indoor water park and all the water parks that they have, because they actually have one indoor and two outdoor if uh, what I saw was correct, and it's included in your stay with your hotel room. So I thought that was really neat. If you're there in November and your kids want to go to the water park, then that's uh, completely your option. Uh, So that's a neat thing to look into. And they also have what they call an adventure forest, and it has a three-story ropes course. There's laser tag, mini golf. Laser tag. You know, we we (laughs) still... we should go. We still... (laughs) Should have bought the laser tag I saw at Walmart the other day. I know. Well, there's, hey, there's still time. There's still I mean, time. think about that. I could come home from work. You could be hiding somewhere with the laser gun. And no. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> they also have mini golf and there's an arcade. So it sounds like if you have some kiddos, 
They are not going to be bored if you are staying at Wilderness at the Smokies. I, I mean, laser tag. I, or you I'm, might go. I, I wouldn't be bored. <laughs> right. Kidding. So um, I just wanted to mention those because I thought that was something unique that you don't see um, every day. But for us, when we go, we typically uh, like to stay in a cabin. Um, there's a ton of cabins that you can choose from. and um, Well, there's a ton of areas. I, and again, Growing up there, it's amazing to me to see where they've put cabins nowadays. You know, as a kid going up there, because at least once a year we would go up and stay a weekend in a cabin, and and it was usually in Gatlinburg. It it was in Gatlinburg overlooking downtown, or it was up in the Ober Gatlinburg, and that's not over, it's O-B-E-R, uh, which is basically where the little ski resort is up in uh, Gatlinburg. But in the Ober-Gatlinburg area, um, you know, at the top of the mountain, where you would expect to find cabins. Uh, now, really just out places that were farms and farmland and woods and hills, everywhere they could possibly clear land and capitalize on tourism which is great for the area again uh that's where those people just like us going to the islands i mean that's the the major source of income for the people in that area is tourism so now there are places that i would never have expected to have cabins that there's cabins so the great thing about that is if you're coming in from out of town to stay you have so many more choices now than you did when I was younger and having more choices drives down the price. So a lot of economical choices, you can stay in a cabin cheaper than you can in some of the hotels up there. And basically it's a home away from home. You have a full kitchen, it's fully, you know, furnished as far as all the furnishings in the place and you've got pots and pans if you want to cook and get groceries and that sort of thing. Right. I think you made uh, a couple great points there. So as he said, growing up, I think for us, we always refer them to chalets because the same areas that Brian were talking about, we uh, stayed at as well. And those can be some of your, you know, two, three, four story areas that can sleep anywhere between like eight and 12 people. Um, And then you can get into some of your other cabins that are more, you know, two bedroom might be able to sleep like, you know, four to six. So Brian makes a great point in everything that he just said. There's options for everybody. If you want to stay in more of a cabin resort, you know, there's even communities that have cabins that, you know, you have a bunch of cabins right beside you. Or you can be way up in a cabin or chalet where you don't have any neighbors. You might be more further up in the mountains. Uh, these cabins can sleep anywhere between, like I said, 2 to 4 to 12, 14 people. Um, so don't think that you can't find something that suits you and suits your need. I would suggest making sure you look at the area that you're at. Because like I said, you could might be in a resort that's close to the city, like in Pigeon Forge, or you might be way up in the mountain. So double check just whatever your group or your family is wanting to do. Make sure you're in the right area to make that trip successful. Well, the right area to make it successful and the right area based on what you want to do when you go there. 
you know, if your idea is getting away from everything and not really venturing out, then... And can, like, be snowed in. And being be snowed in, yeah. Out. I mean, uh, the cabins... And Britt made a good point, cabins versus chalets. I think, you know, the, the chalet idea all came about from the Obergatlinburg area. You know, it was the skiing resort area, so it's more like a Swiss... Swiss chalet like right. a like a ski resort and a lot of the chalets up there in the Obergatlinburg area they're not typically what you would think of as a log cabin right. they're you know a-frame homes uh right out of the early 80s uh a lot of them have been updated um a lot of them have not uh and then you have your primitive looking log cabins from the outside but then you go inside and they have arcades and game rooms and flat screen tvs and hot tubs and you know those you know are typically in your you know some are in gated communities some are just in uh, you know other communities with other cabins around them but you know look at see what you want to do if your idea of fun is uh, beating the socks off of your uh, friends and family on the go-kart track there's plenty <laughs> of cabins right there in Pigeon Forge if your idea of fun is hiking and going up into Cades Cove and Elkmont and into the mountains or up to Cherokee for the day, you know, you probably want to get closer up into the Gatlinburg side of things so you're closer um, to the mountains and, and to those areas, you know, as far as the activities. So, yeah. you know, it, it, plan your trip, plan what you want to do, and then based on what you want to do, find, find somewhere close by. Uh, to those areas because again if you're going up into Cades Cove or somewhere like that it's going to take you an hour to get up there then you're going to spend three or four hours once you get there and then the last thing you want to do is travel another two hours to get back to you know your your bed for the night. And I think you brought up a great point and for example we've stayed in cabins where it's just been Brian and myself so if you are a couple and you want to have the cabin experience it's definitely affordable and then I think it was about, it was last year, we had a group of, gosh, what, like 16 of us? 16 or 17 of yeah, us. And, and I had a cabin. And, I, you know, there are some big cabins. I mean, we had that many people and everybody had, a I mean, there were, there were couples, yeah. but, um, you know, every couple had their own room. Most of the bedrooms had their own bathrooms. I mean, there, there's some... There's some big homes up there, you know, for rent. So just, you know, a lot of them are on VRBO. A lot of them are with cabin uh, rental places. So just, you know, get online, figure out, again, what best fits your need for the number of people you have and what you're doing while you're up there. One of the things that we like to do, and we are familiar with the area. We go up there often, but we do just enjoy staying in the cabin. Um, as Brian mentioned, you know, you're going to have a full kitchen. You're going to have a fully stocked house. I'm glad you did bring up the fact about pool and air hockey and arcade games because that's some entertainment for the kids if you didn't want to get out. Um, most of these places do have hot tubs, which is really neat. Uh, I know some resorts even have like little uh, mini putt-putt areas and things like that. But and we swimming pools. Right, yeah. right, yeah. But we do like to stay in. We typically, you know, we'll do a big grocery run when we get there and we like to stay in and we cook and we put on the fireplace and watch the movies. Cause you know, we are so busy just, you know, being kind of in the cabin and enjoying that it's uh it's fun to us. So 
in saying that, I would double check with your, as you know, he stated maybe VRBO and there's a ton of cabin rental companies that you can just Google and search, um, you know, for Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area, but just double check what the cabin has to offer. Um, most of them do have pots and pans and, and your utensils and stuff to cook, but you know, like something as small as does it have your Keurig or does it have a coffee pot or how many rolls of paper towels or toilet paper that, you know, they go ahead and pre-stock you with. So, if you are going to do, uh, you know, one grocery run and you have to go way up in the mountain, you don't want to have to come back down and get other things. So just double check that. But, um, you know, we enjoy the cabin life. I think it's fun. I think it's just something neat about being up there in the mountains. And um, there's there's something for everybody. And with that, I think we're back on track. And, you know, that's a wrap for another episode of Boats, Beaches, Bars, and Beyond. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting stuff that uh, we plan to uh, share with you guys in the coming weeks. Uh, again, Brittany and I have been on the road uh, really since February, uh, which is why it's taken us so long to finally settle back in and, and you know get back into the swing of things. But uh, we have an exciting new purchase that we want to talk about on an episode. That'll be one of the Beyond episodes. Um, and then we took a trip to Chicago. Well, yeah, we did Chicago. We did Chicago and, and Chicago was a, a fun trip and we went to a concert when we were up there. So we'll share that with you guys in an upcoming episode. Uh, we went back to 30A. That's what I was going to say. Don't forget 30A. We got to uh, go back. <laughs> we went back to 30A and, uh, you, you know, we'll share some uh, things with that trip a little different from the other 30A episode that we did. And uh, we just got back from a trip to Colorado Springs and Denver and Golden, Colorado, and uh, a lot of exciting stuff from there to share. And then again, now we're getting back into boating. Season. Again, we're uh, finally uh, last weekend was our first time staying down at the boat for the year, which is it was late for us in the season. But again, we've been on the road so much, we've finally had some time to get down there. Uh, so yeah, then, you know, we'll finally start focusing on some boat centric episodes and, uh, go from there. But as always, thanks for listening to Boats, Beaches, Bars, and Beyond.